Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about a crazy week for economics and markets around the world. We've got a lot to jump into, but first, here's a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO, the wholesale lending partner with the support you want and the stability you need in today's market. No one is more committed to the TPO channel, and it's why at PennyMac, greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services LLC Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah. Wow. Wonderful to have you when we have so much economic craziness going on. Where do you want to start? Yeah, I think this week was a a very big week in the sense that uh, we actually saw some financial market stress around the world. And, you know, the Bank of Japan has had to come in and intervene. Uh, China's bank has tried to come in and intervene. And of course, the drama in the UK, where I believe it was BlackRock that talked about even halting trading because things were getting out of control. And I think to, to me, you know, uh, the Bank of America strategist this morning talked about, you know, the Fed needs to slow its pace down or else, you know, it's going to create more and more of a credit risk. And this becomes now the questionable integrity of does the Federal Reserve actually understand global markets at this point? Because, you know, when Secretary Treasury Yellen said she does not see any erratic financial conditions out there, and for this week to occur, you know, it's you have to be mindful of this is an institution that missed the Great Financial Recession because they didn't understand credit risk back then. We had the lar- longest economic and job expansion ever recorded in history in the previous expansion. And uh, even in 2018, they started to believe that maybe they were being a little bit too aggressive uh, on the hiking side back then. And now, you know, it, it, it's troubling to see the arrogance of the Federal Reserve at this point when they see world markets like this. You know, if the world markets were functioning well, if the dollar wasn't as strong, that's one thing. But um, the problem is if you push too hard and then something breaks, that's on you, right? And I think I think hopefully this was somewhat of a wake-up call. If you want to hike rates, go ahead. If you want to, you know, uh, reduce the balance sheet, you don't need to do it as fast, at this point, when you see some of the world markets, and, and maybe they're not sophisticated enough to know this. I mean, there is there is history to show that the Federal Reserve doesn't quite have the market savvy uh, as market participants have done. Uh, and for myself, again, my six recession red flags are up. Uh, the Economic Board of Council that does the leading economic index asked me to come and present this to them a few months ago. Um, and 
We have Fed members that are running out there saying, we're not going to cut rates even if there is a recession. And it's just sloppy. It's just, it's getting to be really, really sloppy. Um, you need to be a little bit more clever with the language uh, here. And uh, I, if you push the lever too hard and something cracks in the world markets, then then you, you're, you're put in a bind to where you might actually have to do more uh, to keep the market sane. So I think that's that's the – this week has showed me that. Clearly, the Fed has forecasted a recession to happen next year. Their unemployment rates forecasted that. They keep on talking about we need higher unemployments. They keep on talking about more Americans need to have more pain. So that's that's a given. But when you have that plus the financial markets, the world market's not working right, you got a double whammy there. And then it puts the onus on them, right? And the criti- the criticism of the Federal Reserve has always been that they're not as market savvy as they think they are. And this hopefully this week actually showed a lesson. But again, a lot of the Fed members were talking this week. They're all doing the same line. And I believe the Federal Reserve is always just trying to buy more and more time for the growth rate of inflation data to, to come down enough. Um, especially rent inflation. We see a lot of data right now that shows rent inflation is decelerating, but it's not going to show up in the CPI data until next year. So I, I think we'll see if they learned anything, but if they, you know, if something breaks, they're just going to be put in a harder spot uh, out there. You don't have to change what you want to do you just have to slow things down and let it take its course because uh, if you push too hard, you know, the arrogance of men is to think that they can control markets. And the Bank of Japan, the Bank of England, and China are realizing it's not that easy. Uh, so I think uh, th- th- this was a very important week when we consider the entire year of 2022 that uh, the market isn't as stable as they think. And uh, we'll see if the Fed adjusts or changes some of their language. Uh, You could do all the rate hikes you want to get to where you want to be neutral. Um, But uh, I think they're they're showing their lack of market experience uh, once again. And uh, we see that right now. And and I'd like to emphasize that one of the Fed chairmen from San Francisco talks about the U.S. economy is in great shape. Uh, my sixth recession red flag model has been back tested for five decades, and when all six red flags are off, when an inverted yield curve is up, when the six, when the leading economic index data is down for six months in a row, to make a statement like that without putting a little bit more uh, uh, specifics into it just shows again a lack of experience and. It, it, at this point, at this at this day, with everything that's done, they, they got to be careful with that kind of language uh, because if, if things break, everyone's going to go back and say, hey, you said this on this day, you said that, you said this. You don't have the experience to be part of the Federal Reserve. And that's the discussion I think we should be having because uh, they need to be a little bit more specific now on the great shape of the economy. If you want to say, listen, it's just a labor market we're looking on. That's fine. This is. I'm. I'm actually tr- uh, trying to do some of their talking points for them. They're. They're just looking at job openings. They're just looking at jobless claims. Those data are holding firm. They want 
to hike enough rates to uh, to force a higher unemployment, but to also say, well, the economy is in great shape, kind of tough at this point. Yeah. So let's let's drill down a little bit. So you you talk about your six recession red flags. Are do you feel like right now you could say we know that housing's in a recession? Would you also say that the larger economy is in recession already? No, for me, for me, the the uh, a recession to me in the general economy still has to have like the four categories that the U.S. Uh, housing market has: production falls, uh, sales falls, uh, jobs falls, and incomes fall. Right? We don't have that in the general economy. We 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 industrial production is still rising. Things are slowing down, which the Fed has actually wanted. They wanted below trend growth for some time, but. To crack this, you need the labor market to crack, right? You don't have a recession post-World War II if, if jobs are being created or industrial productions. But we're starting to see these – some of these economic data are starting to get noticeably weaker. So I understand why the Fed has to talk tough, but there, become, there comes a point where it almost looks ridiculous, right? It almost looks like privilege, right? People who live in very good homes have very nice salaries – casually talking about the pain that needs to be created, you know, um, and it's just at this point, I don't think that's, that's the proper tone to use, uh, uh, especially when, you know, when the president of Atlanta Fed Bostick talks about, well, we're going to try our best to not make it as painfully painful. I mean, come on, you know, show right. a little bit more sophistication at this point. I mean, you're not talking to a bunch of kids, right? It's not a summer camp. You're an adult. You're talking to an adult. You're talking to a general country, and uh, I think there's there's a personal war between the Federal Reserve and Wall Street, and you could see the animosity between these two institutions, uh, even though they live off each other. Uh, it's a very toxic, bad relationship, actually, uh, but it's uh, uh, it's showing itself with the Fed language, and uh, we're, we, this week hopefully was a was a good lesson. That the arrogance of men uh, sometimes could be checked in by general markets that are so big and so massive that uh, debt products like the pension funds in the UK, you know, uh, stuff like this that uh, you, you think you, you have a grasp on, but you, you don't really. And uh, if something like that in this nature happened to certain marketplaces in the US, then it just puts them in a bigger bind because of the talking points they have used over time. Yeah. And, you know, what the Fed does has such an effect, especially on our industry, right? And to your point, the speed of increase, the rapid um, increase. I mean, you and I have talked with, uh, we're, we're at the AIM Fuse conference right now. We're talking to a bunch of mortgage brokers. And one of the one of the things that comes through is just the pain of the speed of some of those decisions and the giant swings in um, interest rates really has a a very serious and very immediate effect on our business as well as other businesses, right? So, you know, talk a little bit about what happened with mortgage rates this week. I mean, here's here's a here's one thing. In 2013, when the so-called taper, when the ten-year yield went from 160 to three percent, no Fed uh, uh, rate hikes. The Federal Reserve back then thought the 1% move in, in mortgage rates was too dramatic. Um, here, the, the, the housing reset 
which listen, I, you know, being part of team rates early in the year before rates even rose, talking about the, you know, the housing market is completely broken in the sense that we just don't have enough homes and people are forced to bid. Rates have gone up enough to, to change the marketplace. I mean, you're talking to a guy that made media quotes that we need higher rates to put home sellers, home builders, and home investors on their ass. Yes. One of my favorite quotes. You can't get any more explicit than that. You know, the fear of rates coming back down and maybe, not, okay, we're, we're already there. We, we, we have high enough rates to do it. So um, the functionality is that you, you want a fluid marketplace where people can make decisions without these violent moves back and forth. Uh, and if they don't recognize that, then again, just go back in history. They've talked about how you just need a more fluid system. If rates slowly rise up, you can achieve the same kind of goals you want uh, uh, in a more efficient fashion than this. And you know, again, I, I go back to the new listings data is now negative year to date, and uh, it's de- it declined faster than normal. And I just think we. We need, we need buyers and sellers to functionally work, right? We need sellers to, uh, okay, I'm going to put my house on the market and rates are wherever they are, are going to be stable. But if they're going up and down half a percent a day or something of that nature, it just, it, it, you have a credit markets, credit service economy. It, it, it needs credit to flow functionally, whether rates are up or down, uh, you want a smooth, uh, smooth transaction. Uh, and uh, this was just chaos. I mean, just this week was just uh, chaos. And I, I, I believe just trying to piece some of the terminology from or some of the words that we see the Federal Reserve talk about, I could see that, you know, boy, that, that th- I think it was a wake up call. I, I, even though they make some of the same comments this week, I think they're looking at, wait a second, you know, what if this happened here? You know, and uh, th- that's what you want. You want to be you want to be clever. You want to look out for issues, but you don't want to put your head down just because you think you think you're being bullied by Wall Street. You know, and you want to puff up your chest. Uh, uh, you have a lot of rate hikes in. You're almost toward your neutral, right? You're almost there. You don't need to push the lever. I see that to me. That's being sophisticated. That's being smart and sexy, right? You don't don't let people push you into a position, but if you feel like you need to prove yourself, you know at this point, right? With all the hikes already done, with the dollar being this strong, mm, I don't know. It's it's a tough call, and uh, this week showed some of the market stress. You talk about you know you don't want to do it until something breaks. What what do you mean by that? What would break? What are you looking for to like? This is the well. I mean, let's let's be frankly honest. The UK was about to break big time, right? Uh, their markets were about to crumble. They were about to have a two thousand eight event. Uh, they have had emergency meetings. They had to do an emergency bond buying. Their ten year yield fell like half a percent in one day. Okay, that's a broken system, right? Uh, Here, uh, you don't want credit markets to start freezing so much, uh, or some derivative products, or some something comes out of the woodworks where things aren't functioning, uh, and and you need to provide more liquidity. Uh, Listen, you're going to get to your point, right? We're, We're not starting from zero interest rate policies and 
mortgage rates aren't at three and a quarter, three and a half percent. You could slow it down, let it take its course, you you know, at this point. Um, but it, it just, I, I, I almost feel bad in the sense that the Fed's comments that they're making now sound very similar to what they were saying in, you know, 2006 or seven or eight. And that hasn't end well, you know, historically. Um, and I think to me that, I mean, I personally believe Jay Powell Chairman Jay Powell will resign after he feels like he's done his job. Really? I believe. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he is. When he talks, I could see a beaten man, um, but he's going to stick it out until the end. But we have to start realizing that we need Fed officials that are a little bit more market savvy uh, uh, to understand. And, and and I, and I say this not because you know we we wrote this article in February of 2021 why why we needed higher mortgage rates to cool housing, but the thing about 2021 that I always remind people global bond yields were low, right? The U.S. wasn't going to just break away from everyone, and we still were dealing with COVID. I mean, we some of the people criticizing the Federal Reserve back in 2021 were some of the people saying that. The housing market was going to crash because of forbearance, right? Right. <laughs> uh, so it just doesn't make sense because, again, there's always a group of people that just hate everything because the Federal Reserve exists. But now it's a different story, right? Uh, so you have to be be mindful of the things you say going out in the future. And I think that's, in a sense, being clever. But my premise is that the Fed is really talking tough and trying to buy as much time with inflation data so they can turn at some point where they feel more comfortable. And uh, um, the labor market is giving them, uh, in their minds, the, the cue to keep on doing this. But I, this was a really, really important week, Sarah, in terms of the financial markets to see that, you know, you got to be careful of pushing anything too fast. Because if China, Japan, and the UK are in stress, these are three major economies. We're not talking about a third world country that doesn't have really big impacts to the global economy. We're talking about three major economies that are that are already showing financial stress. So um, being clever sometimes, meaning adjusting what your goals are just a little bit slower to get everything back to function, and then you can get to the point you want to. Um, but putting your head down and puffing up your chest and trying to prove to Wall Street that you're a tough kid when you're just a nerd, just, I don't know. It just, I, I, it reminds me so much of the, the past when we've had an inverted yield curve and, and the Fed in 2018, you know, changed course. We had an inver inverted yield curve 20, 2006 and seven, and the Federal Reserve just put their heads down. So it's, it's questioning the institution and the staff that's there. All of us that are data data miners that track economic stuff, we, we all have our own models and go by, but what we say about them actually matter more. And if we show that kind of disconnect uh, from this, then we should all be held accountable, right, to missing it. And uh, uh, in, in 2006, when all recession red flags are up, credit stress, up, oh, missed it, uh, 2008, uh, oh, we, we have to cut rates now because we might, you know, there comes a point where you keep on doing the same thing over and over again, pretty late in expansion. I, I, I think if people 
like that aren't held accountable with their jobs, then why put them in there? Right. You know, we have an, we have an effective system in the stock market where shareholders will keep uh, uh, CEOs accountable if they keep on not proving themselves to provide value for shareholders. If you don't want to be part of the stock market, don't be a publicly traded company. If you don't want to be part of the Federal Reserve and understand markets, don't join the Federal Reserve. Do something else, right? But if you are part of the Federal Reserve and you are talking about financial markets and you, and your chairman, Treasury Yellen, says there's no, I don't see any erratic financial conditions and you had a week like this, this is disconnection, right? This is the same thing that's been criticized by the Fed over the years is that there, there's not a fluid system to track economic data and market functions. Uh, and here we are again. So um, that's, that's what I take from this week. Like I'll remember this week so much on the year of 2022 where they kind of said everything is fine. And oh, by, oh, guess what? Right. UK is about to done. China's doing whatever they can. Japan is doing. And the dollar keeps on getting stronger and stronger and it can cause problems. It really can. You have to think that different parts of the uh, administration would be talking to other parts of the administration <laughs> because uh, uh, Chairman Yellen is gone. Chairman Yellen is gone. No, there is no way she's standing after this. Right. And that last comment, I, I mean, I've literally constantly been retweeting her comment on every issue, on everything that's happened this week, because that, I think that comment came out on September 27th and we've had financial markets that have been stressed. So I don't know if it's if they just don't have the market people staff on their side, but we kind of all see this. Whether you hate America, love America, bearish, bullish, we kind of see this stuff together. It's not like it's rocket science at this point. We're not uh, creating a, a, a an unsolvable equation for you. There are things out there that has been historically back-tested for, for many years. And, uh, 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 and it just, it just reminds me of the same mistakes they've made in the past with the same data that we are working off from. This is why the six recession red flag model was created, right? You know, when I presented this to the economic council board, I said, listen, the history has always shown us that this is the time that we have to be a little bit more mindful, uh, uh of the economy never happened in the previous expansion. Uh, even in 2020, only three of my recession red flags were up. The U.S. economic data was getting better toward 2019. In 2020, housing authentically broke out in February. Right? The the you don't you don't have historical recessions when all the data is positive and housing breaks out. Right? It's never happened. Jobs data was beating estimates uh, almost double. Uh, we're not in that position anymore. Right? So. Uh, uh, it's 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 this is a tricky period for the Federal Reserve. It's not easy, but some of their statements they're saying it, it concerns me that they they're doing it again, and I, they they have to have more market people working for them to kind of sell them this because this week, mm, pretty embarrassing. Well, and you know you've brought up China, Japan, and the UK, but that's not even talking about the stress, the economic stress that the EU is going under because of the. Russian invasion of Ukraine and, you know, the the lack of supply of um, oil and fuel going into the winter. I mean, so, you know, there's there's numerous things happening on the world stage, which I know is not technically underneath the Federal Reserve's, you know, their mandate is, 
is, uh, you know, national and, and what's happening in our country. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it seems like different parts of the administration would be talking to them, <laughs> talking about if you're stressing our uh, allies, if you're stressing other markets throughout the world at this time, it's kind of rough. Well, here's, here, here's the thing. When, when we wrote that article about is, is, the, is the housing reset creating a global recession, you know, they asked Chairman Powell, have you, you talk to your counterparts? And he, and he does. And I, I trust me, I, I believe there's constant dialogue with their counterparts across the country. So I, I realized they, they just want to get to a, they want to front load interest rates so much and just let it be there. Uh, but they're also talking about, well, listen, if there's a recession, we might, we're not going to cut rates either. So it's, this is brand new language for everyone to kind of realize. So I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're always constantly because I, I, one of the Fed, Fed members actually said, I really feel bad for the UK. They're in a tough spot. But um, you can be clever. You can do your rate hikes. You can do your quantitative tithing. You can do everything you want in a more reasonable fashion at this stage. Uh, of course, in the summer or fall of 2021, that wasn't the case. Uh, int- they did not have the hike, rate hike process or rates or anything in that. But you do have it now. So you can be clever. You can be smart. You can be sexy about this and go, hey, listen, we're going to get there. Let's do it a little bit slower so we don't cause any stress. And the market realize you're going to get to that spot, but they're not worried, right? They're not uh, having a dysfunction. Listen, they they don't need to even get to sexy. We do not need the Federal Reserve to be sexy. We just need them to be safe. Yeah, well, it's, it's yeah. I, 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 I use that term to just, you know, you, you want to be smooth, right? Right. You right. want to be, you know, you, when you put your head down and kind of just run into a wall and, you know, that's, that's just not being smooth out there, right? And it's, it's different today than it was last year. I understand last year. Last year, they, they weren't in a position to, to, to actually make a claim they were fighting inflation. Now they have. The dollar is getting super strong. And again, the dollar getting stronger has always been a big part of my work for economic cycles because typically the dollars, dollar percentage-wise has its biggest run before the big Fed rate hike. When Tom Brady tweeted out his laser eyes for Bitcoin, <laughs> That was really the bottom of the dollar. When I retweeted his tweet and put my laser eyes saying USD, King Dollar, guess what happened? All of you go back and look at May 10th, look at the dollar chart. It is just taken off. Okay, so the dollar gets stronger. Typically, world growth slows, but we have the Russian invasion. We have an energy war out there. Things are different. Question is, do you adapt to that, you know, uh, uh, change, that systematical change that we're dealing with a world economy that has a a war in itself for supply of energy and how do you address uh, something like that? So um, it's never easy. Of course, uh, no, no good hard job is, but uh, there's a point to where you just got to be more clever. If I'm a listener to this and if I follow your work at all, Logan, um, over the last couple of years, I mean, you were the guy who, as you said, you were looking for rising rates, but also you're not a Fed hater. You're not, um, you actually call out people quite a bit who are just, you know, always uh, against the Fed or have a central bank conspiracy theory. So if you're saying this, I mean, if I'm a listener, I'm kind of like, oh, wow, this is, this, we're in new territory. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, I don't mind what the Fed is, was doing from the start. But again, when you 
overdo things to the downside to the upside there's usually casualties and you know the the supply of homes in america you know they've been falling for years um and i i kind of joke with everyone everyone likes to use the term it's a fomo market okay like one of my biggest pet peeves it just it drives me crazy there was no housing fomo market 2020 existing home sales were only 130,000 more than 2017. It's a cheap marketing tactic done by media and analysts and economists just to seem like they're cool or something. The FOMO market was the 2002 to 2005 housing market because credit, sales, starts, prices, everything moved together in a boom. This is an inventory issue. We see it in the data. I could take a five-year-old kid off a street and that kid's going to tell me, boy, that data looks really low historically. And nobody wants <laughs> to like still talk about it. That, oh no, it's, uh, and again, housing authentically broke out before COVID happened. That breakout created a problem. COVID itself, whatever that, whatever what the reason was in 2020, we had no seasonal inventory push. People thought we would get back up to somewhere there in 2021, did not happen. Here we go again. We have big demand hits this year. We're not even in the bottom range of 2019 levels. There is an issue, right? That's not a FOMO market, right? We're going to have home prices up with 7, 10% this year, not because demand is booming, right? Because why? Like we've talked about, we crack the inventory levels. Credit is, you know, was very good for 10 years. People bought homes, they, they did really good. And now we're stuck in this area and we're trying to find a way out. Uh, um, so uh, I don't blame the federal reserve for that in that context, that that's a, that's a systematical issue that in the United States of America, that's why I don't know if anybody else notices, nobody shows housing inventory charts going back to 1982. You don't see it, right? You don't, people don't want to show it because then it takes the story away, right? It's easier to blame the Fed for this rather than a clear objective view that is second grader or somebody that can visually see, wait a second, this doesn't look normal, right? I'm going to say the FOMO housing market. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say FOMO and it's just really good. I'll go on TV and say FOMO. I'll go on Twitter and everybody says FOMO. No, right? A FOMO market was 2002 to 2005. Sales, demand, boom, credit boom, did not have that this time around. And here we are. In a year where demand is down big and we still have prices rising, not because it's a FOMO market, people, it's because it's all inventory cracked. So it's going to take time to work itself out. That's what the Fed reset is. At least that's my perception of using Powell's words. So I, I'm not going to blame the Fed for everything. But at this point, it just, again, sloppy. God, it looks like, like if, I, if, I, if I ran an economic team and my analysts were out there saying some of the stuff they did, I'm grabbing him to the team room, you know, like, what are you doing? Right. Be a little bit more clever. Um, and I just don't, I don't know. I, I, it, it, it pains me to say this. They really don't have a market sense. And I think a lot of this comes from, it comes from when you get a lot of your information from other people, you don't develop your own intuition. And when you don't develop your own intuition or your own models or your own kind of feelings of what markets are trying to say, then you're just living off third-party information. And sometimes when you actually have to go fight live in battle, you can't do it because you never swung an axe in your life. 
right? Right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just that's that I just see a lot of third party past information down and uh, not a lot of intuition at this point. So, hopefully, this week actually taught him a lesson and uh, uh, the world markets could functionally, but you know, the, the, the pound has actually come back a little bit. Uh, so, there's some stability there, but you know, just be a little bit more clever and let's let's not like talk about, oh, we're, we're, we're going to have a recession, but we're going to do everything we can not to make it as painful as possible. Come on. That sounds so bad from government officials. It does. Okay. Last question. And we're almost out of time, but I ask you every time where interest rates going, what's your, what's your forecast now? Has that changed this week? You know, we're so wild between six and a half and seven. Um, uh, the 10 year yield, I think right now is like 3.71. Uh, so rates will probably be down a little bit uh, today, uh, uh, that four percent tenure really got got my attention. So, just a lot of back and forth action right now to this level. To when the markets calm down, and we'll see where bond yields are. We had a really bad manufacturing print today uh, in the Chicago PMI. So, there's uh, it just gets more interesting, Sarah, because historically speaking, unless you want to put a 1975 or 1980 uh, uh, inflation or rates uh, model in, which would be very fair, actually, at this point. Uh, typically, what happens is bond yields will reverse when the economic data is getting weaker. It's not doing that. It tried to do that earlier this year, and the Fed just came back. I'll give them credit on this. This is where the Fed, when bond yields were going down and mortgage rates were going down and stocks were rallying, they they made a joint team effort. <laughs> they did, get on 60 minutes, get on no no, we don't want mortgage rates to go down. You can't buy homes. You don't want that to happen. You know, we can't have stocks rallying. So, th- so that I'll give them credit. That actually was very effective. Uh, here, some of the inflation data stayed firm. The tug of war premise that we've used about as long as the economic data stays firm in the sense with labor, uh, it gives the Fed a little bit leeway. But you could push that lever only so much. Uh, uh, and I think we're getting closer and closer to that point to where it, it it really the economic data really needs to firm up for kind of another another like higher. But for right now, that six and a half seven percent because I thought six and a quarter six and a half would be the high. We did not happen. The ten year yields went straight to four uh, percent, and then once we got four percent, the markets got chaotic out there. Uh, so we need to get a little bit of more world markets in order and and take it one one week at a time with the economic data because. Some of the things we've seen recently, not the best. Not the best. Well, we take it a couple of days at a time as uh, I'm talking to you. Also, you're always keeping us updated with different articles that you write, even though you say we wrote. Um, I edit and and the, that's, uh, that's you being generous. You're always the author of your articles. And then when this comes out, um, you will be live at our HousingWire annual event. Starting on Monday, we have HousingWire annual at, in Scottsdale, Arizona through you know October 3rd through 5th. Through Wednesday, and on Wednesday, you're doing um, you're part of our housing economic super session. So great opportunity for people to still get tickets and, and join us in Scottsdale. Yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of great speakers. The economic talks will be very very uh, useful because I think everyone has a different take on that panel. Uh, and we're starting to start to focus on 2023 as we are going to be in October soon. So uh, the the year is kind of a uh, 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 ending off, but uh, uh, God, it's going to be very exciting 2023. I can't wait. 
Whew. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. I don't know. Sometimes too exciting. Well, Logan, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. And um, we will talk to you again soon. have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer form digital content, the Housing Wire magazine, member exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.